Let's lift our Bibles up, wave them around, make Jesus glad and the devil bad. Thank you, worship teams. Beautiful job. Let's say this together. Say, Heavenly Father, I'm so glad for Jesus. I'm so glad to be here today to celebrate Jesus. He's the reason for the season. He's the reason that I live. I've given my life to him. I've committed to him. And one of the meanings of the word commit is to put myself in prison. I've locked myself up with Jesus. And I give him all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You could be seated, praise God. Let's look at John chapter 1, the gospel of John. Praise the Lord. Verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him uh, was not anything made that was made. And in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Verse 14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 16, and of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. Now, I want to look back at verse 14 again, and I want to read it in a different translation. The Rotherham translation says it this way. And the word became flesh and pitched his tent among us. Hallelujah. And we gazed upon his glory, a glory full of favor and truth. So that's what I want to just speak briefly about. Christmas, God pitched his tent. And I'm so glad he did. You know, I like the message. He said he, said he came into the neighborhood. <laughs> I'm so glad God came into my neighborhood. I can think of some neighborhoods where God still needs to come into their neighborhood. <laughs> Maybe you live in one of those neighborhoods. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, people celebrate Christmas without even knowing what it means. I mean, they just think it's the season, you know, season's greetings and all that. I, I appreciate Donald Trump when he was president. One of the first things he said is, let's get rid of this season's greeting business. Let's say Merry Christmas. You know, they were, these big corporations were trying to clamp down on Merry Christmas. They were trying to get rid of Merry Christmas. And he, he spoke up. And, I mean, it changed. It still changed. It's different. When I go shopping, when I'm out in, in the deal, I, I just make it a point to say Merry Christmas. You know, they'll try to say season's greetings. Well, you know, baloney. It's Merry Christmas. You know? <laughs> and I know it can be Hanukkah. You know, Hanukkah was a couple weeks ago. But still, it's Merry Christmas. And so... Uh, uh, what, what does it mean? Well, it means that God became a man legally by birth. He became a man legally. I, only God could become a man. I mean, that's just, you know, Mary says, how can this be? When the angel Gabriel said, you're going to have a child. What, how can this be? I don't know a man. I'm not, I'm not married. I don't have a man. I've not been with a man. He said, the power of the Holy Ghost shall come upon you, the power of the highest. You know, it's going to be by the Holy Ghost. And so she, and that, and that holy thing that shall be born will be called the Son of God. 
And oh, by the way, your cousin Mary is in the sixth month who was too old to conceive. She's in her sixth month. For with God, all things are possible. <laughs> oh, what a miracle it is. Christmas is a miracle that God cared so much about humanity that had fallen because of Adam. That he said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go down there myself. I'm going to become a man. I'm going to be a legal representative of the human race. I'm going to be born fair and square into that place. And I'm going to save them from their sins. And so, even though as the Word of God, He was eternally coexistent with the Father and the Holy Spirit. I mean, He's always existed in the beginning. Beginning of what? I mean, there wasn't any beginning, really, because God's always been. But in the beginning of this creation, it was still that way. The Word. Beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Then, subsequently, He became flesh. And so, uh, the second person of the Godhead became a human being. And uh, I like Webster's Dictionary. Noah Webster was, uh, of course, a Christian and responsible for all kinds of things besides a dictionary. He was quite a man of letters. Legally, I mean, he went to Yale Law School. He got a degree in, in law, would, couldn't practice law, couldn't get a job practicing law. But he became a writer. He was one of the most prolific writers in our early history of this country. And he describes or he defines the word incarnation in the Webster's 1828 Dictionary, the unity of divinity with humanity in Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The unity of divinity and humanity in Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And I tell you, any religion that denies the incarnation is false. I'm going to say it again. Any religion that denies the incarnation is false. And what have we done in, as America? America was founded upon this principle, found, founded upon the incarnation, founded upon the Word of God. I mean, the Word of God was our, was our textbook for 200 years. I mean, it hadn't been just, just very recently that they got the Bible out of the schools and quit using it as a textbook, and then they got rid of prayer. And that's all recent, and it's all by design. It's on purpose. Are we going to provide a pushback or what? We're providing a pushback, amen? We might not prevail in this country. I mean, I'm not responsible for what the, whether this country goes down the tubes or not. But I'm telling you, as long as this church is on the earth, we're going to stand for the incarnation. We're going to stand for the name of Jesus. We're going to stand for the fact that there's only one way to heaven, and that's his name is Jesus. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And every other religion is false. Oh, that's, oh, that's just so well. You know, I'm sorry. I, I agree with the Bible may not be fashionable. And I can understand because when you're not, edu you know, when you haven't ever heard the Bible, lots of people think they're Christians, but they really haven't said yes to Jesus. So <clears throat> he pitched his tent. He pitched his tent. 
We moved into the neighborhood. Come on. I just glory to God. <laughs> and the writers of the Gospels record that this glory was full of favor and truth. In fact, I like to amplify it in verse 16. It says, we all have received the fullness and one grace after another and spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing and even favor upon favor and gift heaped upon gift. Isn't that good? Amen. Gift heaped upon gift. We've all received that. Now, some people... You know, they don't know that they have that waiting for them under the proverbial gospel tree. See, I really believe all this gift giving and all the traditions that come with Christmas and how people, even the even unbelievers, even people of other faiths, they celebrate Christmas. They give Christmas gifts even though they're not even, you know, they might be Hindu. They might be Muslim. I don't really know what Muslims do for Christmas. I'm not sure, but... My guess is they probably have a Christmas tree and they probably give out gifts. <laughs> you know, I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, regardless, I believe it came from this verse right here. That people, you know, in the beginning when people used to know more about the Bible, they realized that there were there was it was blessings associated with being a child of God. He pitched his tent first among us. That had to happen first. He became among us. So he did that so that he could pitch his tent within us. He wants to be, he, he wants us to be his dwelling place. He doesn't just want to be in the earth. He wants to be in you and I. And so when we were born again, when we accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, then we, you know, we became his personal tent individually. And then we find that there are other believers like us, and we gather together like this on this day in this building. And he is in here corporately. This is his tent. <laughs> Looks like a tent outside. I get tickled at people. They just get so, you know, they've been so offended in church. And uh, they'll talk about, well, the church is just, it's not a building. The church isn't a building. That bill, I would never go to that old building. I'm just a worship God on my own. Well, you don't even know what the Bible says. I mean, what, what you know, you got to have a building to worship in unless you want to worship outside in the hot sun or in the cold, freezing rain. No, the building itself is not the, the temple, but when the temple gathers in the building, you know, that building becomes a kind of a special place. I come in here and I feel... God in here. I know he doesn't live in here like that as a temple, but angels are in here. And so we ought to, we ought to honor the house of God. We're the house, but yet we gather in a place. And so now when we, when we give Jesus our heart and our lives, we qualify for that verse 16 which we, we read, I, I want to read Ephesians 3 and 19, very similar verse in Ephesians. It says, the unlimited measure of the new birth. See, God wants us to be filled with, uh, be filled up 
throughout our being to all the fullness of God so that we may have the richest experience of God's presence in our lives, completely filled and flooded with God himself. Praise God. That's God's plan for the church. There's some things we've got to get back to personally and corporately. We've got to get back to him being the head of the church. Amen. You know, we've just begun to plumb the depths of what God started that night in Bethlehem. I mean, he started something huge. He started something immense. And I believe we're living in a, a time where we begin to discover some of the things we're talking about today. So filled with the Holy Ghost that it just flows out of us into the dark world. You know, the world's dark. Gross darkness has covered the earth. But guess what? Light always reproves darkness. Hallelujah. I think about, I, I celebrated 33 Christmases without this knowledge. I grew up in Catholic church, man. I mean, from a little kid. I knew about Jesus. I knew about God, the Father. I, I recited the Apostles' Creed before I could even pronounce the words. I went to Catholic school. I was the nun's favorite. I'm not bragging. I'm just reporting. They saw a call of God on my life. I'll, I'll give them that much. And I did have. I didn't, I didn't remember it until I got saved at age 33. And about a year later, God began to unroll, unravel some things before me. And I began to see some things that had happened. And I was four years of age in Our Lady of Fatima Catholic Church when missionaries from South America came to speak to our little congregation about the size of that middle section right there. And I felt fire all over me. I felt my whole body was just like all my hair was standing on end, and I felt God. And it was God saying, that's you. You're going to, you belong to me. You've got a call. And, of course, the little Catholic boy thinks what? Priest. Celibate. And when I discovered Gladys, I knew that wasn't going to work for me. No, I, I, and I celebrated Christmas, but I didn't, I didn't have, he hadn't pitched his tent in me. Hadn't pitched his tent in me. He wanted to. He made a bid. I think when I was a child, if I'd have just said yes, no matter what, I think my want-tos would have changed. I'm not saying I would have become a priest, but I wouldn't have waited until I was 33 years old to get saved. <laughs> Thank God I got saved. Gladys is really glad that I got saved. Maybe you're glad I got saved. I don't know. <laughs> oh, he started something there in Bethlehem. And so how, how appropriate I think it is for us to remind ourselves that he's pitched his tent in us. And peradventure, there's anybody under the sound of my voice, whether they're watching by live stream or whether they're, whether they're going to watch it later or they're watching it right now or whether you're here and you really maybe kind of understand what I'm talking about. You might have been grown up in church all your life. I've, I've met lots of people that grew up in church that never got, didn't get saved. I just didn't hear, I never heard you must be born again. <laughs> I never heard that in the Catholic church. 
Matter of fact, once I got born again, I went back and confronted the Catholic priest that was my pastor at the time. He didn't have any good answers. And he's supposedly charismatic, spoke in tongues. Well, he might have. I don't know. I'm not his judge, but he didn't know squat about the Bible and spent 12 years in cemetery, a seminary. So I just think it would be right for us to all say a sinner's prayer this morning. Let's let God know that we know what he's done. And in peradventure, there's anybody in here, I'm not going to give an altar call. I'm not going to have you come forward or anything like that. I just want you to pray a sinner's prayer. And uh, let's just commit ourselves to God fresh and new this Christmas. And if, it's, if you pray in this and you've really never given your heart to Jesus, listen, he's listening to you right now. And he's going he's gonna to come into your heart and change your life. But you have to be willing. So let's just close our eyes and lift our right hand up to heaven. And let's say this prayer together. Everybody say it out loud where you can hear it. Don't just whisper it. Say it out loud where you can hear it. And since everybody else is praying, you'll have to pray a little louder than you normally do. Say, oh, God, I know without Jesus, I'm lost. Without Jesus, I'll die and go to hell. But, oh, God, I want to be saved. I want to go to heaven. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died for my sins, but God raised you from the dead. Come into my heart. Make me new. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. I give you my life, and I make you my Lord. Devil, get out of my life. You're not my Lord. Jesus is my Lord. And now, God, you're more than just my God. You're my very own Heavenly Father. I'm your very own child. I'm saved. Thank God I'm saved. I'm not trying to get saved. I'm not going to be saved. I'm saved right now. Well, come on, let's rejoice this morning. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, when you're praying with others to receive Jesus, you can shorten it up just a little bit. You can stick with the basics. God hears it. It's not any particular type of prayer. You just have to admit that Jesus is Lord and, you know, and that you turn away from the devil, the world, the flesh, the devil, sin, turn away from sin. Repent just means to turn away. That's all it means. Well, I started confessing my sins. What if you forgot one? See, it's not about confessing your sins. That's not part of getting saved. You confess your sin after you're saved, when you, and there's so few that you know when it happens, and then you confess it right then and get forgiven. But when you get saved, somebody said, oh, I confess my sins. No, well, you've sinned so much you couldn't possibly remember all the sin. So if that's what it took to get saved, see, we're in trouble, aren't we? All that does is open a door of doubt later. Oh, I forgot that. Oh, I must not be saved. See, you know, no. It's not about confessing your sin. It's about turning away. Hallelujah. Come on, let's rejoice this morning. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we're saved. And not only are we saved, we're healed. You know, the same sacrifice on the cross, it took care of our sins, took care of our sicknesses. 
We've been delivered from the power, authority, jurisdiction, and control of darkness. Demons don't have any, can't hold sway over us. Depression, grief, fear, none of those things are consistent with what God, Jesus did, that God did through Jesus.